0: So like, you know, if I work hard through this, I'll be able to get through my sister's Mm. death. And, you know, maybe I'll just like, you know, show strength and that will work out. Now that didn't, you know, all I ended up doing was pushing down emotions, pushing down my feelings, not being aware of how I was feeling, not getting help. Yeah. um, And just trying to trying to live a life that wasn't real.
1: When life gives you lemons, what do you do with them?
2: Over here at The Squeeze, we We talk talk about about it. it. I am excited to be here today, let me tell you. Wow. Yep.
1: Amen to that, sister. You know why? Why?
2: Because it's time to squeeze. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. And this is just exciting that we get to do this.
1: Yeah. I could not agree more with that.
2: It's a very special privilege. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'm just so honored and so excited about today's episode, and so thankful for everybody watching and listening right now.
1: Yeah, I cannot agree more with that.
2: How's your day going? It's going. I didn't buy that.
1: I, it's I said, going. "How's
2: your day going?" You said, "It's going."
1: It's going. It's a, is it
2: going well? Or it is
1: going well. It is things. It's just it's a day. Okay. It's it's been a busy day, but it's all good things. Okay. Let some laundry go. And then I am just remembering I need to change over into the dryer. Mm. Uh, just some, just some typical house just stuff. life stuff. Okay. Yeah, just life house stuff, but... That's fair. We're going. Yeah. We're great.
2: Well, at this moment, we're filming an episode of the Squeeze podcast. We are. So, let's freaking do this. Hi, everyone.
1: Hi. I don't think we said hi.
2: Hi. <laughs> Thanks for being here. We appreciate you, and we are... Very excited about today's episode. You guys are in for a treat.
1: How many times are you going to say that? Oh, you just said treat and her head popped up.
2: Baby, that mm. wasn't for you. That was for the listeners.
1: Mm. Remy's on our floor.
2: No treats for you. <laughs> um, I personally am a big fan of our guest today. Yes. If you don't know this about me, I am a die, die, die hard football fan. Yes. And our guest today, Solomon Thomas, um, I remember when he was drafted third overall to the San Francisco 49ers in the 2018 draft, I believe so. 17? Don't know. I don't have the notes right in front of me, but I think somewhere it was right around there, he was drafted third overall. That is a massive, you know talent.
1: Yeah. Accomplishment, achievement.
2: Um, and I'm just remembering this as, as I'm talking about it, but like
1: 2017,
2: Yeah. I was able to relate a lot of things to Solomon during our chat. Um, because uh, him entering the NFL being the number three overall pick there is such a massive target on your back and such high expectations and pressure put on you mm. that it is darn near impossible yeah. to hit and sometimes it just sometimes those things take time yeah and it's just tough so i i just respect him he has kept with it and he's absolutely crushing it right now so proud of him but What's more impressive than that guy on the football field is who he is off the football field.
1: Yeah. So a little context for you, Lemon Drops, before we dive into the episode. Solomon has a nonprofit called The Defensive Line, uh, which my nonprofit and Operation Happiness. we do our Operation Lemonade Gala. We just had our second one um, a few weeks ago. Our one last year, um, we actually honored The Defensive Line. Uh, for their work that they're doing in the mental health field and got to have Solomon's dad out. Solomon was already in training camp so he couldn't come. So his dad Chris was there uh, and just such such a lovely human, such a lovely family that we've gotten to know. and we were so excited when we heard that Solomon was gonna be out here, and the timing just worked out perfectly. Uh, so super excited to have him on, but we've they've been in our lives for like about a year and we've just been following their journey. Of everything that they're doing with their nonprofit. And they're just a really awesome family. And Solomon is a really awesome dude. Yes. Yeah. So I'm very excited for this episode. I think you guys are really going to like it. Uh, if after this episode or if during whenever, if you feel like you need some basic context into suicide, into suicidal ideation, um, refer back our last solo episode. Taylor and Tay, Taylor's version. I think that's what we titled it. It was Taylor's version. Our last solo one. At the end of the episode, we have Doctor Chase Anderson on, and we kind of go through uh, the basics of what suicide is, what suicidal ideation is, Uh, and it was very helpful for us. I still have referred back to it because it's he just explained things so easily. And this episode is about suicide, so if you feel like you need a little bit uh, extra context into that or help understanding it a little bit more, refer back to that.
2: Yeah. A really powerful episode. And um yeah, I'm excited for you guys to to listen and just thank Solomon yeah. um, and his family for
1: Yeah, you guys are gonna love him. He's awesome.
2: Oh the best. Okay. You guys enjoy. We'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Solomon Thomas. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Thank you for being here today. I am um, a massive football fan, so I'm geeking out a little bit. So just truly honored uh, that you are joining us today.
0: Well, thank you, Taylor. Taylor, (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. You know, it's an honor to be here and and have this conversation. But yeah, I'm big fans of you alls and all the work you do and the people you are. So thank you for having me. Oh, that means a lot.
2: Okay. So to break the ice, we start each episode with our Citrus Got Real segment. Inside of this beautiful lemon jar, um, we have very intense questions. (laughs) So if you could, um, could you pull a question out of that jar? Read it for us. I hope that it's
0: juicy. This says, what is the most boring sport? Hmm. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, see, so my answer normally would have been golf. Okay. But recently, there has been a big golf kick in our world. Yeah. I've enjoyed anywhere? it. And at the place I'm training, at Proactive, we have a simulator. And when I'm bored, yeah. I just hit it. Um... So. I would have to say baseball. Okay. Yeah. And, and I'm sorry to all my baseball friends and yeah. and people out there, but it's a great sport to go to in person. But when, sure. I, when I watch on TV, I, I kind of get distracted and it's yeah. kind of hard to lock in, but yeah. it's a great sport. I love yeah. the sport, but I'm choosing baseball. Yeah. I get that. You got anything?
1: I mean, yeah, we probably have to be between those two. Yeah. Or what's like a weird
2: sport? Well, I, I would say, Cricket. but i oddly am fascinated by this sport um is curling
1: Ooh. is that wait yeah
2: where they so push the, the thing on ice and okay, then they're like okay. brushing and trying to make it come in to like the target that
1: doesn't sound boring at all oh okay it's an olympic sport right
2: yeah wow yeah yeah it, Yeah. <laughs> i find it fascinating I, a lot of people do find it uh you know like a joke but i i i think it's a beautiful sport
1: beautiful <laughs> i love it uh yeah
2: you going to second baseball
1: i was thinking like which one i would like to nap to more like we always have mm. sports on so i'm like which one could i take a better nap to golf yeah that golf. would probably so be
2: peaceful yes. the way yeah. everybody Slaps. like talks. Yeah. yeah
1: they're just talking like this
2: so peaceful
0: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> it's on the green
0: all right he's teeing <laughs> off here <laughs> it is very calming that, that, As, oh. are you are you any good are no you, okay no, no i've I've barely taken lessons um yeah i've tried i just don't have i don't give myself the time to yeah. really invest into it, it right now right now but yeah. i want to at some point because it's fun to get out there with the guys and yeah you know just kind of be out there and chat so yeah yeah that's us. I'm trying to get better. I love it, but yeah. I'm absolutely
2: horrible. Yeah.
1: You could be some methods.
2: A lot of my friends are like freaking incredible.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah, That's it tough. is tough. So something, as you guys know, that has been a huge part of my mental health journey, Taylor's mental health journey, journeys as individuals and as a couple, has been therapy amen and that is why i am so excited to share our next sponsor with you guys which is cerebral cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support 100 online you'll experience the all-new cerebral way an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you you'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist prescriber or both in a safe and judgment-free space I love that Cerebral is 100% online because that means you have no excuse. You have to go. Yeah. Like, there's no, oh, I don't have time to go drive. It's too long of a drive. No, you can do it on your lunch break. You can do it before work, after work. And it's honestly just, it's convenient.
2: Yeah. It's convenient and they have great therapists.
1: Yeah. And it's, it'll just keep you accountable too. So we... Highly, highly encourage that you guys check out Cerebral because therapy has just done wonders for us. And we know it'll do the same for you. To get started on your path towards better mental health, Cerebral is giving our listeners 15% off their first month of online therapy, mm-hmm. medication, or both. Get started at cerebral.com/slash podcasts and use code the squeeze to make 2024 your best year yet. That's cerebral dot com slash podcast and use code the squeeze offer is only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. See site for details. Get going on that therapy. As we kind of talked about before, I'm very excited about this episode to have you here in person. Um, uh, because for those of you listening, uh, my nonprofit and another nonprofit. Last year, we had our first gala, our Operation Lemonade Gala, and there we honored some nonprofits that are doing great work, or not just nonprofits, nonprofits and people just doing great things in the mental health world. And we got to honor the defensive line, which is Solomon's nonprofit, which we are going to get into. Um, uh, But we were talking about how much I loved your dad earlier and (laughs) he just did such a beautiful job of, you know, just kind of explaining your family story um, and about your sister and how you guys have just been able to turn such heartbreak into such power and such motivation to help people. And you guys have really done that. But yeah, so we're just, I'm excited to talk with you and hear the story from you now. Uh, But can you share a little bit about, the beginning. Let's just start mm-hmm. from early childhood. What was growing up like um, for you and for your sister?
0: So growing up for us was was unique because uh, we kind of moved around a little bit. You know, my dad he was working for Procter and Gamble at the time, and mm. he was international international sales manager. So we kind of jumped around from places. So we were bo- I was we were both born in Chicago, Naperville. Okay. Um Downer's Naperville. Yeah. Wow. <laughs>
2: yeah. Um, I uh, I used to train for karate in Naperville. Oh no way. I <laughs> was like the heck we're, we're connected <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. and my dad also went to college somewhere around Naperville. Oh wow. wow. Anyways, carry yeah. on.
0: <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like uh, but from there we moved to Australia. So, you know, extremely unique experience, wow. you know, going to a different country and you know being raised around like different, a whole different kind of way of life. You know, it's a growing up by the beach. You know, I thought that was really, really cool that we got to do that. Yeah. And then we moved to Connecticut, moved back to the States, which was a transition for us. Cause we kindly kind of finally got our feet wet. We're in a different place. Um, and then it was like, you know, back to a different norm. And then from there, we moved to Texas it was even a bigger transition. And that's Man. where we kind of even just kind of grew up and kind of were raised there. Okay. But, but yeah, so that was like kind of our like moving around part, but it was, it was I say it was unique because really Ella was always kind of my person yeah. because whether we moved, wherever we moved, like we had to make new friends, meet new people, yeah. but the one constant consistent thing was her and my yeah. parents. So it's kind of why my family and I, we've always been so close, just moving around, being in different places, you know, adjusting to new norms, new, yeah. new lifestyles, new countries, new States. So that, I really believe that's why, like, we've kind of grown up like kind of family first, like mm. we've been each other, safe, safe place, safe person. So. Um, But yeah, it was just, uh, I love, I'm very grateful and thankful for the way my parents raised us, always raising us to be perceptive, you know, to, you know, to give back, you know, to love others, but also just, uh, you know, find a way to like really enjoy this life and get everything out out of it that we can. Um, So, you know, my dad always taught me like to be the best in whatever I do, whether, you know, it's in school with my friends, being a brother to my sister, um, whatever. My mom always just taught me to like have an open heart. And to like, you know, always understand that people are going through something that you never know about and yeah. mm-hmm. to be perceptive. And, you know, I think that was like really huge for L and I. Yeah. Um, and I think that helped growing up in different places, being able to see new ways of life and how people lived. Like it didn't always have to be one way. Like we weren't in the same place our whole life. So yeah. Yeah. we understood that, hey, people could be different and we could accept them for that and love them for that. And I think that was while and I were able to connect with so many people no matter where we lived and no matter where we grew up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it was a very, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for our childhood and how we were raised and places yeah. we got to live and the people we got to meet. So it was, it was very, very fun and interesting for sure. What was the so difference in age between you and Ella? So she was two years older. Okay. Um, but in school, she was three, three years older because okay. she started early and I started like maybe a month late. Got it. So, but yeah, so my favorite time was she was a senior in high school. I was a freshman, oh. so I was, like, the, the new fish in school, and yeah. I played football, and all her, like, guy friends would always mess with me, and I would always go <laughs> up on the senior bridge and mess with her, so yeah. that was always a fun kind of age yes. gap, you know, when we were in high school and got to be in school that's, together. Yeah. that's
2: How would, I mean, you kind of touched on it, but how would you describe you and your sister's relationship growing up, and, like, what is, when you think of the two of you, like, what's the first thing you think of, whether it's a memory or just like what, you know, mm-hmm. put you guys together, what, what pops to the top of your mind?
0: She was just my protector. Like in, in everything we did like, she was just like, she just always had my back. You know, like I remember, um, you know, one Easter, like we went, had an Easter egg hunt and I was like, I kind of grew up more and coordinated and sports came to me probably last out of the two of us. Like she was a more athletic kind of naturally. Oh, wow. She kind of had more of like, my dad was a really good athlete. She kind of took after him faster than I did. Um, and I remember like this one Easter. We had an Easter Easter egg hunt, and I uh, I didn't find any eggs. I didn't find <laughs> one. Ella <laughs> got them all, and so she dumped out her basket and she was like, "Okay, one for me, one for you, one for me, yeah. one for you." And she was just that's just who Aww. she was. She like always like had my back. And yeah. even in our even in our stages where like we did argue and we were like of going through puberty and stuff, and and like we didn't understand like she still, like, was a person, like, telling me, hey, like, Solly, be yourself, love yourself, like, she could tell I struggled with, like, insecurities in certain ways, and, mm-hmm. um, but she would, she just always, like, was there for me, but, so growing up, I always just kind of wanted to be like Ella. Yeah. She was cool, she was athletic, she could make friends, like, like, as fast as anyone could, she wow. could talk to a wall, like, sing, dance, whatever, like, so I just always, like, envied to be like her and wanted to be like her, like, she was, kind of like you know that that sibling role model for me wow. um so like just we were we were very close we had all these inside jokes about certain movies whether it was a hangover or a bad or um or, uh, or uh, uh bad boys uh um martin lawrence and oh, yes, smith yeah yes. we, we loved, that was our favorite movie okay. and um we just had like we could just like sit by each other and just laugh and you know that was just like so such special times like yeah. just being together and growing up and having that comfort and having that person that yeah. no matter what how I felt at school or in sports, I could go home and I could feel like I could be Solomon no matter what. And just Mm. having that was just so so special. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's really special. At what age were you guys when you guys started realizing kind of Ella was struggling or when, when did she first notice it?
0: Um, I would say, I don't know when she first noticed it, but I would say I first noticed it probably when I, maybe I was in seventh, eighth grade and Ella was probably eighth grade for me and Ella was in high school. Okay. um and i noticed like whether it was before a test or something ella would get like really i understand i didn't know what it was back then but i understand she was very anxious and like you know her moods would swing be different um just like certain things like that and then it was like more than that though like you know ella would just kind of get sad sometimes throughout the school year whether it was stuff with friends going on you know we were both like biracial and in, in a very white community and um you know sometimes like that was hard like for yeah. ella especially as a black woman like yeah. you know um, you know dating making friends you know oh. being in sports you know so I think that affected her a lot and and you know so just seeing things like that bring her down and yeah. and I didn't understand it back in when I was in eighth grade and and or ninth grade but um I definitely saw differences in her personality the way she slept who she found around and um I mean, but that's when I first kind of noticed that okay Ella's she's going through something I don't know what it is I don't know how to describe it mm-hmm. um I do now but like that's yeah. when I kind of kind of saw stuff coming together. Yeah.
2: Was she was she ever diagnosed with anything? And when when did that happen?
0: So I didn't know this growing up, but she was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and and she took medication. Or well, she also was diagnosed with ADHD. Okay. Um. And you know, she took medication. My mom was and and my dad were always taking care of her, making sure she got the right medication, or she was getting like counseling. Um. And you know, it's I mean, we definitely know more information now, but like yeah. I, I'm. For what we knew, I know my parents did the best they could, like making sure she had all the resources available to, you know, continue to succeed and, and do well in school. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so like, yeah, she definitely like every day waking up, you know, she was fighting some sort of uphill battle. Yeah. Um, And I now realize that and, you know, knowing that now it's like, you know, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to, you know, go through that, you know, at a young age and yeah. deal with that every day and go through even more. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always have like, you know, love and respect for everyone who who has to go through that every day because it's a. Uh, the challenge, and it's 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 work every day when you wake up. So yeah.
1: yeah. When was she diagnosed? Like, th- like that? Your parents knew that to take her in.
0: I do not know exactly. Okay. I think ADHD. I think that was at the beginning of middle school. But I don't know about the depression and anxiety. Yeah. That might have been later on.
2: I feel like I know the answer to this question because I can only imagine being in your shoes um, back then, and you know seeing your sister go through these things, but not being able to fully understand it um, because it's, it's just so hard to relate um, when you're not going through the same exact things. But obviously you knew, this is the part, I feel like I know the answer, but I just wanted to hear it from you. Obviously you knew she was struggling, but did you ever know how bad it truly was?
0: Yeah, no, I'm, um... I didn't, like, at that point in our life, like, middle school, high school, I didn't know how bad it was. Like, I always just thought, like, okay, you know, this is part of growing up. You know, Ella's having a hard time, and she's going to get through it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and even, like, you know, towards the end, like, I still still thought I was, like, you know, Ella's going to get this, like, you know, it's just something that, you know, hey, like, she's going through, she's struggling, but, you know, she'll pull through. Like, Ella's strong, she's beautiful, she's intelligent, she's going to be fine. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's always that thing, like, you never... We never really know, like, what someone's going through or how bad it is or, yeah. you know, how close, like, you know, they are to, you know, uh, impulse decisions. So it's just, yeah, it was just, yeah, yeah, just, uh, you know, yeah, I didn't really, yeah, really know how bad.
2: Yeah. I feel like we, I feel like it's happened so many, like, a lot recently when we find out, you know, we've lost somebody that way and people are shocked because a lot of the time... It's somebody that seemingly comes across as a very genuinely happy person, a popular person, Mm -hmm. somebody that everyone loves, somebody that other people rely on Mm -hmm. for their smiles. And it's just like it just comes as a crazy big blow Mm -hmm. because you just it's always somebody that you never would expect it.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's why I love, like, you know, the shirts or, you know, when people go on like, Twitter and Instagram or, like, check on your strong friends or yeah. check on your funny friends. Yeah. Check on the friend that's always laughing because, like, you, you don't know, like, okay, why is he trying to make everyone laugh? Like, is yeah. he trying to hide his pain? Is he trying to not talk about himself? Yeah. Okay, the friend who's always strong, like, okay. Oh, yeah, he's giving out so much to everyone, but how much is he giving to himself? Like, you never know. And that's how, like, Ella was. Ella gave so much to so many people. She gave her heart out or whatever she had, you know, yeah. she didn't have much, but, you know, her finances, her clothing, whatever, she would give anything to anyone. Like, she just wanted people happy. Yeah. Um, She was that person, like, you know, uh, that could connect everyone. Like, um, one of her best friends used to describe her as a human narrator. Mm-hmm. Like, she could connect everyone in the room, whether it was the jocks, the band, um, you know, the debate team. She yeah. made everyone feel, like, full and welcome, and they were supposed to be together. Like, she just had this feeling that, like, hey, like, you – she made you feel important and validated. Um, And so people like gravitated around Ella because she was that person. She was that strong, funny person that people were just like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I want to be around Ella. Like she makes me happy, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, like she was really struggling inside, you know, she was giving out so much love, but she wasn't loving herself. She wasn't taking care of herself. Um, She had a lot of like demons that she was fighting and a lot of things she was going through. And, you know, she just kept trying to be that person that gave out, gave out. Um, and you know, caught up with her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that human narrator. Fast forward. You get drafted into the Mm -hmm. NFL. You guys are all there. Third overall. Third overall. <laughs> he knew that actually. Going like, literally going in. He was like third were. overall. Oh, sure. I think yeah. it was third yeah. overall. Right? Yeah. yeah.
2: Stanford, right? Yep. Yep. Yes, sir. Third overall to the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm.
1: You keep up. You keep up. Yeah. Um, obviously we know the story. Can you just kind of take our listeners through that moment through kind of just like the few months that followed? Um with that mm-hmm. with
0: Christmas and mm-hmm.
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah so my rookie year was just kind of a, a lot it was a blur like getting drafted getting into the NFL like I'm living my dream like yeah. trying to figure out the business side of it trying to figure out the social side trying to figure out like kind of everything together so like everything is moving fast and my family's back home in, in Dallas and I'm in California living alone in a new place well 15 minutes from my, yeah. my college but like in a new place yeah. not. um and just trying to figure out life and figure out football and everything um so things are just moving fast and uh uh yeah so uh i'm um, like not in touch with my family as much like not always knowing what's going on with yeah. ella or my parents um but like you know, when they when they would come to games like i would hear certain things like okay ella's struggling okay dad's struggling okay mom's struggling but not knowing how bad things are like what's going on yeah so like right before the season started we moved ella home from arkansas um, she was in Arkansas. She was in a bad relationship. Um, the things weren't going well for her out here. So we were like, okay, let's move Ella home. Let's have her around my parents. You know, I think that'll really help her. Um, and so during the season, she's at home, and I'm thinking things are probably getting better throughout the year. And, yeah. um, a couple of times it came out, and she was just like, I could tell, like, she wasn't herself. Mm. And I'm like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, Ella, what's wrong? Like, um, and, like, she's telling me things like, you know, I just can't be happy. And, you know, Mm. Me now understanding how naive it was for me to say this, like I'm like Ella, like why can't you just be happy? Yeah, not knowing that hey, she's diagnosed with depression and she's not getting the right, she's not blocking enough cortisol to be yeah. happy. And like, there's so many things between her brain chemistry and just the things that she's going through, whether it's PTSD or traumatic instances that she just can't be happy. Yeah. Um, and you know, like this, this conversation like that we had, and then you know, we had Christmas. You know, um, the family came up for Christmas and it was a really nice Christmas. Like. Uh, Ella is, uh, you know, she's black herself again. Um, she likes the beautiful prayer at dinner and like, you know, we're like, okay, Ella's making a lot of progress. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is good. And like moving her back home is, was, was nice. And, um, so season ends, I go home a week after the season ends and I'm back around the family. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I'm just starting training out in Dallas and, you know, one morning I'm training and, uh, you know, uh, my mom texts me, she's like, Hey, like, have you heard from Ella? And I'm like, no, no, I haven't heard from Ella um you know so I text her and like don't hear back for a couple hours and my mom calls again it's like hey you're from Ella again I'm like no like she was supposed to be at work she wasn't at work um and then a couple hours later I get a call from my dad and could right away tell from his voice that hey like you know something wasn't something wasn't good and then I you know put it all together and he told me that you know Ella had died um yeah you know one of the worst phone calls of my life worst days of my life and um you know just just like you know how we're talking about like you know just a shock factor of it. it's just like yeah how could this happen how could ella die how could i let this happen how could this all these feelings and emotions all come together all at once and you feel them all at once and that's what is so crazy about this way of dying and suicide and figuring all this out it 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 hits you all at once and you don't know how to handle it because we don't talk about any of it and we don't prepare for any of it and we don't know how to even handle any of it so it was just like just so much and you know, you know, we have so many friends and family and loved ones coming around, you know, being there for us and being there for my my mom, dad and myself and you know, just, just loving on us and being there. But like it was just it was so interesting. Like they were there for us and they loved us, but they they couldn't talk about how Ella died. Yeah. Like it was just this weird thing that was like this off off limits thing, like, oh, yeah, okay, I hey think
2: we your dad I remember mm-hmm. your dad talking about that at first. Yeah. Like for so long. just didn't want to talk about how it happened Yeah, the details because there's like that there's like shame
0: that Mm -hmm. comes with it yeah Yeah. it's yes it's it's hard it's just hard to talk it's there's guilt there's shame there's so many emotions involved and then people are like don't want to talk about it either because they're afraid to bring it up even though it's such a prevalent thing that needs to be addressed and and, you know just so from that like you know i was just we we were all just in shock and all just really really sad and and didn't really know how to keep living like yeah. like we knew how to like go on with our day-to-day go back to work you know go train again um you know get back into everything but like how do i keep how do i like find a way to live again because yeah. i didn't really like it was everything was so dark you know and as the days went on i would just like keep pushing down like how i felt mm. you know I, people were telling me to be there for my parents you know so i was like you know i got to be strong for them got to be strong for his friends mm. um when i wasn't being strong for myself and you know just continue to like. Like push it down, but also just kind of reside on the old way of how mm-hmm. I was taught growing up. Like kind of, hey, like be tough. You know, push through it. You know, yeah. like my thing was growing up. Like if I worked hard, I could get through anything. Yeah. So like you know, if I work hard through this, I'll be able to get through my sister's mm-hmm. death. And you know, maybe I'll just like you know show strength, and I, you know that will work out. Yeah. Now I'm, in, and that didn't. You know, all I ended up doing was pushing down emotions, pushing down my feelings, not being aware of how I was feeling, not getting help, and just trying to trying to live a life that wasn't real. And um, you know, I. I went to a dark place, and you know, I, I you know, went through a time where I, I had a lot of suicidal thoughts, and um, you know, it was just really, really hard to you know find a way. Like, why should I be here? Like, my sister's gone. Like, I don't really like my job. I don't like what I'm doing. I have all this pressure on me. Uh, X X and X. Like, and it was just like you know, like what, what's left here? I don't want to wake up. I don't want to go to sleep. And you know, I was very fortunate to to get help and to be um, to be addressed by you know one of my bosses at, at the Niners, John Lynch, and. He asked me, like, hey, so, like, do you need help? And mm. Even though my mom had been begging me to get help for a long time, um, just but him doing that, like, meant so much mm. to me because in this profession, like, I didn't think, like, nobody cared. Yeah. Even though, like, people were there for me, a was there for me, and they loved me through it and helped me through it. I'm so thankful for that. But I didn't think, like, anybody really cared, like, for my progression as of my mental health and my, yeah. my well-being, like, how to, like, to get through this. And, like, they, I, I felt like everybody in the building just wanted me to play well, and that yeah. was it. But him kind of lifting that burden off my shoulders that I had to be strong, like that was it. That's all I needed. And I went home that night, looked in the mirror, was like, dude, I need help. I'm a mess. Wow. And wow. started going to therapy, learned how to cope with my emotions, learned how to deal with, learned how to like carry my grief with me. To understand my grief is never going to leave. Like I'll forever have this like small hole in my heart, yeah. big hole in my heart. But like, I can find a way to live with that and to bring Ella with me. And to you know, connect with those around me and to to use this to to you know keep Ella's legacy alive and to help other people um but yeah it's been it's it's been a journey and it's been it's been hard and and, but I'm finding a way to you know to keep Ella alive and yeah this is the stuff she wanted to do like she understood what she was going through and she wanted to help people who are going through the same thing like she wanted to help uh kids who struggle with mental health and and young women who struggle uh, from sexual assault like that was and so like I believe that we're keeping we're keeping Ella's legacy alive and, and keeping her mission alive so but that's just like that's just who she was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's
2: so tricky because there's like there's no handbook. Yeah. to s- grief yeah. In, in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah.
1: like I think people forget too. Like if you haven't gone through grief, like obviously there's like a grieving process that is more of like a initial part mm-hmm. of the grieving process, but the grieving process is literally like your entire life, you know. Mm-hmm. You're still grieving the loss of your family member or your friend or someone, it definitely is a process, but it's, it's a and it's, forever and it's thing. it's
2: different for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. S- some things that work, you know, amazingly for somebody mm-hmm. could not work at all for somebody else going through the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just feel like it's so fluid or. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely like a lot of things.
0: Was th- therapy a, a big help? Mm-hmm. to you yeah therapy was huge for me because it's it was teaching me how to deal with things i've never learned how to put into words yeah like someone could tell me how i feel and i couldn't put into words how i felt because i didn't have the language for it yeah so my mm-hmm. therapist would keep asking me okay like well how does that make you feel or like you know like or like tell me more about that and like really challenging me to like really put into words like because I, I would just say like oh you know that sucked or uh, that was bad right but she really wanted to hear how am i doing yeah. and. It took a while, like for me to open up, and like, as, and it was my first time in therapy. But once I did, like, I really learned how to like really kind of just let my let my guard down and be vulnerable, and let my therapist know how I'm doing, and she can help me through that. After I, after I do that, but but like, I, I love what you say about about grief. Like, grief is fluid. Like, it really is there's times I feel like I'm doing great and I'm, and I'm, I'm on top of my grief.
2: Yeah. And then right
0: as I get to, I feel like I'm, I'm on top of my grief. My grief just crashes me right back down. Yeah. And it's, so it's something that you're always dealing with, like, you know, for the rest of my life, like yeah. I'm going to be dealing with my grief. And, you know, I think one thing that we all kind of do as humans, that's, that's so not beneficial for our grief is we grief compare. Mm. Like, and, and I did that for a while too. I was yeah. like, oh, my teammate, like he's lost three family members and, and the best friend, like, I shouldn't cry. I shouldn't. I shouldn't feel bad. Fine. Why am I struggling? Exactly. And so, like, I would like be like, oh, I have to, I have to. But no, like, we we all handle grief differently. We all handle death differently. Yeah. We all. It all hits us on different days. Like a day he might be being strong. Yeah. Like, and I'm having a bad day. Like maybe when he go goes home the next day, like he's having the same day I am. So like you never know. And I think it's important to understand that you don't have to compare your grief, and you can honor your loved one. You can honor your grief and and really address it. So for sure, I, I do feel like that's something that as a society. Society too much. Yeah,
1: no, that's that's so true. Especially because we're all, especially men, are built to be like like oh, like I gotta be strong, move forward. Especially Mm -hmm. if you're comparing a circumstantial thing like on the outside. But everyone digests their situations differently. You know, Mm -hmm. some like I know some nurses. I worked as a COVID nurse. Some nurses worked COVID and are completely fine. Some Mm -hmm. like me have PTSD. Like you know, it's so like circumstantial. Everyone. Takes in, you know, whatever they've gone through differently. So you yeah. really can't can't compare it. I love how you started talking about like being in the locker room, being with the guys, mm-hmm. because I whenever we have men on, I love talking about men's mental health because <clears throat> it is something that is very big. I'm very passionate about. Uh, I lost um, a good friend of mine to suicide. He suffered from bipolar, and he is a male. Um, so I love to just kind of advocate for it obviously there is the whole stigma of like men's mental health. Um, I would just love to hear like kind of like what you've been able to see or what you feel about it being in such a, tough man environment Mm -hmm. like it's literally the nfl y'all are freaking ramming into each other (laughs) and like it's yeah
2: like it men's mental health already has a stigma Uh just because we're men Mm -hmm. i can only imagine the environment that Mm -hmm. you have to work in every single day and being in the locker room and like Mm -hmm. i feel like it would even be heightened there how Mm -hmm. have you found
0: how are you able to prioritize your mental health in that Mm -hmm. environment I've seen like a transition of mental health and from my rookie year to now in the league. And it's been, it's very motivating and it's very hopeful because when I first got in the league, my rookie year, I had a player tell me, Hey, you can't sit at the same table as a team clinician because people might might think you're crazy. And, you know, now I have teammates coming up to me asking about therapy. How do I get into therapy, you know, and and that kind of stuff. Like, so I've seen that transition, but it's all been from, you know, guys coming out and talking and being vulnerable Mm -hmm. whether it's you know Dak Prescott or Darren Waller Max Crosby Darius Leonard so many like guys have come out and talked about mental health and made it more acceptable and been representation for other NFL players to see like hey okay like I'm really feeling a lot of the things he's feeling and it's okay for me to get help and it's also okay for me to feel like this like I'm not weird I'm not crazy for feeling this like and I'm also not any more less of a man for feeling these certain emotions whether it's like crying or like feeling insecure or being yeah. sensitive. Like these are all normal emotions that every human feels, whether we want to call it, associate them more with men or female, they are just human emotions. So like, you know, I think I've seen that representation be such a big deal of it, but it's been a, it's, it's a really hard place to, to like, people don't sometimes think about all the stigmas we go through with our mental health. Like we're judged by fans. We're judged by the front office, all the scouts in the building. Yeah. Like that, like sometimes like, if you're not don't have an established contract or career sometimes you you feel like you can't really be in touch with your mental health or express your mental health because still there's some people in the building who might look at that as a weakness yeah and so oh i can't show that because now i have a higher chance of getting cut being traded not making my team not making the team or living my dream out in the nfl and so a lot of people understand sometimes that part of it um in the nfl and, and in professional sports in general um but that's why like i think it's so important for guys in my position or guys like max darren Dak, like the guys who are paid sp- in the guys who are speaking yeah. out um you know can continue to do it like let's let's lift each other up let's make sure everyone knows hey we, yeah we play this gladiator sport but we're still human beings yeah. and we're still go through the ups and downs of being human and it's okay for us to feel all these things because we go through a lot just like a lot of other people we we have a lot to deal with there's a lot of stress it's it's a high high pressure job it's a you know performance-based job and so it's very important for us to understand that, Hey, like we can feel these things and, and still play the sport and we can honor these emotions and feelings and still play the sport. Yeah. Um. I I, th- I think that's big. And I'm trying to, you know, when I speak now, I'm trying to make sure the guys know that, Hey, when you do take care of these things, when you do take care of your emotions, when you do go to therapy or find whatever coping mechanism works for you, yeah, it is going to make you a whole better, better person. Your best self was, which will also make you a best player on the yeah. field yeah. because like, if you're struggling internally and you're not taking care of those things, your body's not going to react as well. It's yeah. so like, I love my dad. He, he loves calling it the whole health. And, mm. um, and he's really ingrained that in me because like when I'm not my best whole person, I'm not going to be my best whole athlete. Yeah. Um, you know, cause if my, if my brain and brain's moving slow, my body's going to move slow. Yeah. If my brain's healthy and it is fresh and I'm going to therapy, taking care of it, meditating and I'm honoring my emotions and feelings and, and it's not lagging. Then when I'm on the field and my brain's going to move so much faster. Yeah. So I really, that's why I love going to the whole health and understanding, having athletes understand the, the connection between the body and the mind Yeah. and the gut. Like we're, they're all so, so intertwined and it's, yeah. it's cool learning the science of mental health too. It's like, yeah, yeah, you can find ways to like just make yourself best, your best self.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. I, that is one of my favorite videos I've shown you is Hayden Hurst running up to Dak after that game yeah, one of them yeah. was mic'd up so it caught it and it's just such a sweet moment you remember that video that was yeah. Really cool.
0: yeah i love that i love that moment too yeah.
1: cool. um i was gonna say how cool that um you know that we have people like you like Dak, mm-hmm. like speaking about this because obviously nfl alone but then also like how you have been brought up because i don't know the statistic you may know it but like people that have grown up in black communities are so less likely to seek help. Mm -hmm. And with the NFL being predominantly black, Mm -hmm. it's, you just have that upbringing already installed. Mm -hmm. And then you put in such a masculine environment, you know, Mm -hmm. the the outliers there are, yeah, they're pretty difficult, but it's really cool that you guys are speaking about it, not only to help, you know, fellow NFL players, but also kids that are watching, Mm -hmm. you know, growing up Mm -hmm. and getting to see, you know, their role models, mm. getting to see, you know, like the little little Cowboys fan being like, I love Dak and like, you know, getting yeah. to see him, you know, talking so vulnerably about his mm. mental health, people getting yeah. to see you do that. Um, it's really cool. And it's so I think the other mm. NFL members, players, I don't know what I'm trying to say. The other teammates. I, I don't know what you call mm-hmm. them, like how much they're really going to benefit from you guys talking about it because yeah. it needs to be talked about and understood that exactly what you said, that taking that step to better your mental health Mm -hmm. it's all connected Mm -hmm. it's only it's only going to better you as a player
2: yeah While we're still on football quickly before you get to the (laughs) defensive line you were nominated for the walter payton man of the year award Mm -hmm. this last year right yeah First of oh, all, congratulations! Thank you, that thanks.
1: is, we were so excited for you. Oh, uh, yeah, we were watching it. At home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: honestly, <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, just a massive, massive, and if not the most important accomplishment mm-hmm. in that sport. Um, so I really don't have a question about that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say congrats, yeah. and we <laughs> just thought it was so cool, and we were so yeah. excited for you. Well,
0: yeah, thank you, thank you
2: both.
0: Yeah, no, no, that was, was awesome. Huge honor. That was super fun. Week. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, would you like to tell our listeners why you were nominated (laughs) (laughs) for that
0: award? (laughs) Yeah. No. Um. So, you know, my after Ella died by suicide, and you know, we were we were kind of lost and didn't know what to do. Like, but we were introduced, like, just kind of thrown in this world of mental health, and we saw how there was this huge kind of this archaic stigma around mental health, whether it's like men just to push through, be a man, or people not understanding the science of the disease, like people Mm. just saying like, oh, depression is a feeling, anxiety is a feeling, like not treating it as like the mental illness and the mental disorder that it is. Um, we were like, there's something has to be done and we want to be part of that, that change. And, you know, so, you know, it was my parents and I, and, um, you know, my cousin and my uncle and aunt, and, um, you know, some some other great friends who, who have truly helped us so much. And we were able to start, you know, the defensive line, you know, for our mission is to end the epidemic of youth, suicide, especially, especially for young people of color. By transforming mm-hmm. the way we can com- communicate and connect with health, and you know, it's been we've been doing this for almost two year, for two years now, and it's been uh, such a great journey and, and a, a tough journey too. But um, we're doing this, and we're changing. You know, we're trying to change lives by we're going into schools, businesses, sports programs, and we're we have these suicide prevention programs where we're teaching teacher any mentor of youth, whether it's a teacher, a coach, mm-hmm. boss, employee, um, janitor, whoever it is, whoever's around youth or or a, or a, is the leader of, of more people okay. trying to teach them how to have the language of mental health, mm-hmm. how to look for warning signs, um, you know, the resource in their area or resources in general. Um, but really just how to create a safe mental health environment where, you know, they can have safe places, they can have these conversations. So whether it's their students, their employees, um, student athletes, whoever it is, so they they know how to they know how to talk about it. They know where to go when, when to get help. They know how to ask the right question. And then that just creates an environment where everyone's are for each other. Yeah. And so like that was kind of, you know, that's that's our product of how we're getting this done. But it all came from like, you know, I was like telling my parents, like, you know, when I came home from school, like every day, like I was too tired sometimes to talk to them about how I'm feeling. But my teachers and my coaches, they saw firsthand how I interacted with my friends, mm. whether my mood was up or down, whether my energy was up or down. And so they kind of had more of a, a seeing of like, okay, how am I away from home and how am I really doing? Um, six seven eight hours of the day yeah. um so like that's why we really wanted to attack and, and approach the teachers the mentors and generally that's like kind of the age group that has has been kind of not as understanding of mental health too um you know kind of like the older generations like my parents who yeah. were like we're really trying to change the archaic mindset um but it you know, it's, it's it's been a journey and you know it's uh i'm very excited about you know everything we're doing the defensive line and you know it's been amazing to do things with squeeze and you know <laughs> yeah. we appreciate y'all so much. But yeah. Yeah. So but that's why I was I was nom that's one of the reasons I was nominated for Yeah. Watch payment Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's so awesome. And it's so it's so needed because we we don't we don't think about that. We gotta pay these teachers more. A, mm-hmm. but A. B, it's so important to educate those people who spend the most amount of time, you know, with mm-hmm. children mm-hmm. that have that firsthand look into it. Because like you said, you know, I definitely saw my teachers more than I probably did my parents growing, especially my dance teachers growing up. Than I saw my parents because I, I would dance in the morning before school and then go to school mm-hmm. and then dance after school and then I go home and go yeah. to bed and do my homework. So yeah. like, during the week I'm barely seeing my parents. So yeah. how are they going to know if I'm going through something? Yeah, that's like such an important thing. I feel like we forget about. Yeah, like educating you have to educate mm-hmm. parents too, but also you know those teachers, mm-hmm. those coaches, those
2: yeah, because you're spending more time with them. Yeah. Than you're- own parents at that age. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so awesome how you guys um of course you all are always going to have that hole in your heart and that's never going to go away. But that being said, just how you took such a tragedy and have made it into something truly beautiful. You truly are. You said it earlier perfectly. You truly are honoring. Exactly. Mm-hmm. What Ella would be doing today, yeah, and yeah. you're you're living that out for her, and it's just so touching.
1: This was such a fun episode. Are you like so excited? We have an actual NFL player on our couch. I
2: am. You're our well we active. Had Acho. active. Active first. Active. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> we had. Uh, do you know emmanuel Ocho? Yeah, 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 okay, uh, yeah. Yeah, we had Ocho on. Of course, he yeah. delivered a great episode. Yeah. he's the best speaker ever. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: he's impressive. Yeah, yeah. he's a
2: great. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I was very excited. And, um, yeah, thank you for being here. Once again, you and your family are doing amazing things. And uh, I just think it's so important and so beautiful. And we're going to be watching every game of yours this year. Hey, We've been yeah.
0: rooting for you. Hey, y'all got to come out to a game now. Hey, yeah, time, yeah, baby. Yeah, Let's go, Jets! Let's no, go. No, <laughs> I appreciate y'all so much. And thank you for having me on. And, again, thank you for everything you do with the squeeze, but just being great people and opening the space with much needed and it's changing the world. So I appreciate you both. Of course. Thank you, Sally.
1: Thank you so much for squeezing us into your day. Please be sure to rate, review, and follow our pod and check out full episodes on YouTube.
2: You can follow me at Taylor Lautner, my lovely wife at Tay Lautner. Check out the squeeze on Instagram at the squeeze. And also give a give a little uh, glance and a follow to Lemons by Tay. That's at Lemons by Tay on Instagram and LemonsbyTay.com.
1: And also be sure to email us Podcast at gmail.com. If you guys have any questions, any guests you'd like to see, we've gotten some interesting emails so far, which has been awesome. But most importantly, please continue to talk about your journey with those around you and send our show to a friend that you think could use a little extra squeeze in their life.
2: Absolutely. Goodles Magoodles, everyone.
1: Magoodles. This podcast has been brought to you by Podcast Nation.